Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here. I am live from the Matador Yacht Party. I have some amazing guests with me. I have Mr. Kevin Fry with me. Kevin, thanks for taking the time to jam with me Thank today. You. I have the one and only Wendy Reeves, and I have Miss Martha Alvarado. Guys, thank, thank you. you for thank taking you for the time. This is going to be fun. Welcome to the Matador Yachtcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. We're gonna, I'm going to fight this audio. We're going to see if I can, I'll just kind of like eat the microphone so <laughs> so the wind doesn't hear it. Uh, but no, guys, this is cool. Look, it, we're here in sunny Florida. I'm excited. Uh, it's the first time I've seen the sun in four months. So <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Um, but hey, look, I love kicking off all these podcasts with little origin stories. Because, A, I'm always fascinated to find out how people got started in the business. So, Kevin, I'll start with you, and then I'll kind of work my way over. Kevin, how did you get started in the automotive industry? I would say like 99% of the people out there, I fell into the industry. <laughs> uh, I got involved with the very early days of eBay. And when eBay Motors started, which was basically like a bull in a china shop, it was a train wreck because they tried to launch around the nation. Uh, got heavily involved with that and basically figuring out how to sell cars online because there was no instruction book. So that would be the earliest way I'd say it developed. I started working with dealerships, how to sell on eBay, and it's just exploded from there. That's awesome. Wendy, yourself, how did you get started in the business? Uh, for me, actually, my dad was a car guy. And my <laughs> so first you were job, born into the business. I was, <laughs> I was definitely born into it. And my first job was a 16-year-old night receptionist where my dad was GM at a fresco in a store in Milwaukee, oh, wow. Wisconsin. And I, I stayed in, I, I moved overseas to Greece when I was like about wow. 28 years old. Nice. And no, I'm sorry, 27, yeah. Stayed there for a bit, came back, got back into it after my kids went into high school and in and out most of my adult life with the same dealership, Amato in Milwaukee. And um, I just, it's once you get it in your blood. It's hard it's to get just, out. You can't get, you know, that passion, <laughs> that drive, that excitement stays with you it does it does yeah. now martha how did you get started in the business i was managing a call center you know in spanish i was uh, dealing with infomercial for the radio and tv in spanish mm -hmm. mainly and one of the dealerships needed it like a bdc i didn't really know what it was so i was like okay let me try this out and that's how i started I started as a bdc rep then move up to the bdc manager then customer relation and i learned on that position everything that has to do with the dealership finance, body shop, service, and sales, and how they actually interact and, and how they really need to work together. And after that, I went into BDC and internet and been building BDCs for the last 20 years. Oh, you got bit by the bug then. <laughs> I, oh yeah, you, got, you got bit by the automotive bug. <laughs> you know? But, that, but it's funny, look, we, we have people that stumble into the business, we got people that got bored into the business, stumble, con I got conned into the business. Um, <laughs> but but no, it, it's so cool, and I really appreciate you guys coming out. And, and, it's a, and what you were saying there is a perfect segue kind of into our first conversation, right? Is, you know, these silos, these islands that exist at the dealership, you know? And, and I think it's maybe because things are a little slower right now, we're able to take a little more time and really kind of analyze every single opportunity that's coming in, that maybe we're seeing more of an island than maybe we've noticed in the past because you know we're able to take our time with every single opportunity that comes in. But you know, from, from, a, from trying to bridge that gap of communication, which sometimes I think is, is mm -hmm. limited as uh, smoke signals or Morse code, like, hey, what do you want to market today? 
that's you know <laughs> but but i feel like i feel like this is the last couple of years i've seen these these departments getting closer and closer together so how do we kind of maintain that momentum of these islands coming together and really working well with it coming from a marketing perspective coming from a bdc perspective uh kevin i'll start with you and i'll kind of work down the, down the road well i'll say this in a marketing perspective we could always do a better job communicating to the people actually working the opportunities we develop uh, we're always trying to get better, but it is a weak point that we could become much more efficient on. But I think Wendy would be great to comment on knowing exactly what we're sending your way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's really important that not only sales and BDC are in tune with one another, and that starts at the top, obviously, but also I believe in chain of command, like run everything through the BDM or the sales manager, or whatever, instead of, you know, agent to BDR or whatever. So when change needs to be affected, it starts where it needs to start and it's communicated to the right people and everybody knows what's up. But also the marketing department, like everybody who touches the phone, the BDC, they all need to know exactly what's out there, what yes. campaigns we're running, what are bringing the traffic to a, to our website or our phones and and. Um, urging these people, compelling these people to submit leads so that when we work the leads, we can respond to the customer with relevance mm -hmm. and we mm -hmm. can answer their questions and, you know, have that active listening that we need to be able to establish rapport and build a good relationship, gain their trust and sell the, sell the appointment. Sell the appointment. Mm -hmm. That is, that is that's what it is, right? It, yep. It's selling, it's selling the appointment. And it is so interesting how much more effort that is required to sell the appointment over the last 24 months. I mean, you gotta think mm -hmm. as, as, a, as an industry, we had to, it, we were forced to change our communication game in such a way, all right, that, mm -hmm. you know, I hope we don't go back. Like I hope what we've learned, what we've learned over the last 24 months and this snowball of change and just really meeting the customer where the customer wants to be met mm -hmm. and communicating them that way. I am just, I, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed. We keep this and we keep this going. Yep. Martha, kind of, what's your thoughts? How do we keep that going? I think one of the most important things, like when they were saying, is the training, okay? The knowledge, you have to empower your BDC, but you have to also understand how your BDC is the lungs of the dealership. And the reason is because they're gonna come in touch with everybody. The people in service, the people in finance, the people you know in sales. Why? Because they, got, they are the ones that are answering the calls. So when it comes to the marketing, it's very important that they go in there and try to find out what are customers saying, what are the objections, you know, how can we target them in a better way? Okay, what are they saying about what they see on TV on an internet, and what are they talking about about other dealerships? How can we help them stay here? Now, when we do that transaction with the sales department, how do we keep that loyalty? How do we keep bringing mm -hmm. them back into our service department mm -hmm. and make sure that they do return to us after a couple of years? That is a, it's a relationship that is very important to develop. And it happens at the BDC because it, it starts there when they're looking for the car and it ends there when we call them again to trade in the vehicle. Well, and, and, and I love that you say that because I think that that really pushes us marketing people, right, to mm -hmm. really kind of figure out like what kind of campaigns, you know, do people really want to connect and communicate with? See, mm -hmm. you know, it, you know what's really funny is, you know, we're all in the automotive industry and I'm sure you're like me, you show up to a dinner party and they find out you're in the automotive industry and like, <laughs> let me tell you. But here's one thing I've found super fascinating. No one has ever told me about their $250 biweekly truck they just bought. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's never come out of their mouth, but that is the that is still even today 80 plus percent, I would say, or maybe mm -hmm. more, uh, of what those marketing messages are. I've I, I found that some of the most progressive dealers right now mm -hmm. are marketing, but marketing with the intent to create a conversation. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to kind of get your thoughts 
um, Fred, uh, of kind of how we yeah. how we do that. So we made a very aggressive move going on three years where we decided to remove almost all of the forms in our website. And if you think about this, we've, we've taken the same form approach for over 20 years, which I think is antiquated. I mean, how many times do we fill out a form today for something we want to buy? And what we're doing is when they click on that call to action button, rather than getting a form pop-up, we're taking them directly to live chat. We're gonna answer with AI, so it's very quick. Answer the simple questions, yep. you know, how late is a dealership open, where are you located? But if they start asking more specific questions that indicate a hot prospect, then we wanna steer them immediately back to our BDC or directly to our salespeople. It's all about the channel yes. communication. I and like and that. Exactly. the biggest thing I wanna emphasize in that is you can have the best workflow, a 30, 60, 90, 120 mm -hmm. day workflow, emails, videos, text, you name it. And the best appointment setting rates I've seen with that approach are around 20 to 25%. Mm -hmm. Our appointment setting rate, when we drive into a live chat immediate answer, is 59%. There we go. More than double, and it makes all the sense in the world, and it's for just sure. simple. Answer the question, ask for the appointment. This is what's going on with the car, would you like to come in this evening? Mm -hmm. Yes, versus it's been three weeks of you sending emails, would you like to come in? It, it's really difficult to do that, so we're trying to switch up the way we're doing things. Now, Kevin, I'm, uh, Live chat, and I love the fact you bring up live chat, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know, 15 years ago when live chat came out, I got I got excited. Like I was excited, right? I was excited <laughs> I for I was, this is going. I, I was excited for my BDC, right? Because I'm like, yes, mm -hmm. someone can push a button on my website. They're going to connect with someone at my BDC. They're going to have a meaningful conversation. They're going to come into my dealership and say, "It'd be three and a half hours. It's going to be 30 minutes. Relationship's going to be conversation's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. It's good." And then we screwed it all up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we turned live chat into a lead generation product. Exactly. And not not a connection product. Mm -hmm. So I was so Kevin, are do you guys handle your own live chats or do you have a live chat? It provider? is a blend, and I'm glad okay, you like asked that. that. So technology I want to get your on this has too. made a big difference <laughs> because before you would literally have to camp 24/7 next to a computer For to sure. answer within eight to ten seconds. That's where we have AI picking up. Mm. We have a 24/7 chat provider that can answer basic questions, but if it's a hot prospect, it's going to ping every salesperson or BDC rep like a text alert. Yeah, that's a process. First person that gets it, owns the customer and moves to answer from there. If for some reason they don't pick up right away, it's going to go back to the chat center. But what we're trying to avoid is the extended workflows. We would rather answer the question, get the appointment now, and save all of this all time, time and work, mm. which is very difficult to try and get people to come back in on. 100%. Yep. Yep. Now, no, from a BDC perspective, all right, you like live chat leads? I do. I'm going like, to put you on the spot. I'm going to put you guys I, on the spot. I, I do. I like early engagement, period. Yes. yes. Okay, there we and go. There we go. Like you mentioned, we have to meet the customer on their level, right? Yes. They like the anonymity of chat, right? Mm -hmm. They don't want their phone ringing. They don't want the, their, they hit the button. They want to chat. So for you to respond and then have a form and all AI and it goes to a lead or whatever, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. In the olden days, I remember it was mostly Active Engage, which I'm sure is a wonderful product, but it, people weren't managing the chats the right way. They weren't reading the transcripts, the same as it equates to call review with phone calls, right? If you're not measuring what you're managing, uh, et cetera, then it's not going to be successful. But if you know exactly the word tracks that are being used and the responses, and they're not just using the old get them in, get them in, get them in, they're mm -hmm. transparent, yet they have that layer of empathy. And, you know, they want, they're being human with the person, like talk to them like you're talking to a friend, you know, um, as much as you can with chat. I love it.
Mm -hmm. I love yeah. it. Well, you have to be skilled. You have to have the right people responding. 100%. Our industry is afraid of changes. You know, we like to do the same things for a very long time. Okay, we're very afraid of everything that is coming, like digital, uh, you know, retailing. But we have to move with the times. The times mm -hmm. are very different. I like to be responding. I mean, I like to things quick. You know, I want an answer. Even my pediatrician will mm -hmm. reply, you know, on a chat. So <laughs> that's what I like the engagement on a chat. A lot of people have told me, well, you know what? But you know, what about if you don't get the name? What about if you don't get the phone mm -hmm. number and the email address? You lost the opportunity. Exactly. But, that's that, but that's what every dealership out there is using as an excuse right now. Exactly. But, but then you put your heart into the conversation and you develop that connection. Connection. You know, yeah. you talk to the customer the way that you will talk to your friends about a, uh, buying a vehicle. You know, and that's where you develop that connection and when they trust you. Once that they trust mm -hmm. you, once that, that trust is built, then the customer will be, you know, eager to give you their business. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, it's, now you've developed that loyalty that you wanted. Well, I, you know, I feel like, you know, for the last 10 years, I mean, all of us have been coming to these conferences, mm -hmm. you know, for, for a while. And for the last 10 years, you know, the conversation has been a lot about leads. How many leads, how many mm -hmm. leads, how many leads? I feel like we're getting into the decade now of no longer counting leads, but counting meaningful conversations at, at, at your group. Is that what's going on, Kevin? Is that, it, is that it the is. measurable I, now? I love what Winnie and Martha is saying. Sir, you said anonymous. That is a huge word. And then the mm -hmm. second thing you talked about is gathering information. Our approach has been, uh, you know what? I'll give you the privilege of an answer to your question if you give me your firstborn's uh, data, <laughs> your name, your address, everything. Says, yep, and the type. abandonment rate is ridiculous on yep. these. Yep. You have to earn their trust. Mm -hmm. You have exactly to build value. You have to answer the questions to get that info. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you that the biggest thing that dealers are struggling with right now, which ties into what you're saying on anonymous, they want to engage on your site anonymously. Mm -hmm. So our modern day battleground is that website experience. Are you answering on that website the three primary questions they have, which have not changed for 50 years? <laughs> how much per month? How much for my trade? Can you get me approved? When you start winning that battle of engagement, then all of a sudden they start communicating with us through one of those channels and are willing to give us their information. And then we earn the right to ask for an appointment. Mm-hmm. We earn it. Or a name. That. Or yeah, you earn we that have trust. to present the value first, right? You, you cannot ignore it? them, right? right. You cannot, what you're saying. You cannot ignore what they're asking yep. you, you know, but you have to earn their the relationship. Mm -hmm. They need to be hurt. They do. Once that they, they feel that you're hurt, yep. what they're saying, then they're going to feel that you care about what they want. And when that they feel that you they, that you care, then they're gonna trust you. And those are the three steps. Mm -hmm. And when mm -hmm. value exceeds price, right? Then exactly. Then exactly. we're gonna earn the right to ask for that appointment, to ask mm -hmm. for their information, and have a chance at bat to send them home in a vehicle. And and, th and that's what we have to do. I mean, th look, that's just that's meeting the customer where they want to be met. Now, yep. now, now, now talk about meeting the customer where they want to be met, and then doing it at a whole nother level. Kevin, I gotta ask you about this crypto purchase <laughs> because I, I right now in my head I'm thinking like the next 10 years I'm just going to be talking about meaningful connections and and trying to engage with them and then and then here comes Kevin he's like he move we're going to do a crypto transaction so walk me through that so it's, it's right now it's like the sexiest news in automotive yeah. is uh, hey Jeff Wilder is accepting cryptocurrency 
And what amuses me about this, don't take me wrong, is that whenever you do something really innovative like this, yep. half the dealer group congratulates you, it's awesome, then the other half's like, what a bunch of foolish clowns, how can they do this, there's so much risk. I'm going to share tomorrow a digital dealer how we're doing it. I'm here to assure you it's much simpler than you think. Right. We're just working with a third party intermediary as an exchange, and if you come in and you want to use cryptocurrency towards your transaction, the entire amount or partial amount, let's say it's $20,000. Mm -hmm. We will generate an invoice for that amount. You can select up to 12 different cryptocurrencies. There's a 1% processing fee that is passed on to the consumer. And guess what? We get the money in US dollars ACH'd to our wow. bank account. We never take possession directly of the crypto. It's so but cool. I emphasize this again and again and again. It doesn't matter when you're an automotive. You only need to ask yourself one question. Does this make us more consumer facing? And yeah. this is a match. It's like, how would you like to pay? Well, we'll take check, cash. You can ACH, Visa, MasterCard, <laughs> Bitcoin. Do you see where we're going with this? So it's not, I don't see it being a tremendous part of our audience out there, but it's just one more avenue to help our consumers well, buy it's, cars. Well, it's the perception of the brand. It's the per, mm -hmm. it's perceived. I mean, it's it's kind of like offering a customer a 24-hour test drive. Not everyone's going to take that, but the fact you're willing to do something like that to make sure they're comfortable mm -hmm. goes a long way. Look, not, not a lot of people are going to buy a car in crypto, but the fact you're willing to do it says a lot. Now, that is a message from a BDC perspective. Like, is that a message you guys would like to share? Mm -hmm. is, that, is that one you're like, hey, by the way, so Bitcoin? <laughs> How do we like to pay, right? How do you want to pay? <laughs> like, yeah, if we're going to go, like, from a BDC perspective, I'm curious. Like, you know, we're constantly training our, our BDC staff to engage in more and more complex conversations mm -hmm. on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. You know, Kevin, do you feel, and then I want to get kind of your guys' thoughts. Well, actually, I'll start with your thoughts. I'll come back to you, Kevin. Um, but, you know, is that a conversation you think BDC should be handling? Should BDC be handling the financing conversation? I don't see why not. All right, I, I like okay, this. I, We're gonna get some comments about this. I this have run BDC's departments <laughs> where we do everything yeah. and the salesperson just come and pick up the folders and shows mm -hmm. the cars and walks them into finance and customers are happy because mm -hmm. you know what? They're buying more products in finance. Why? They don't have to be doing a lot of huddling, you know, everything is said and done. I mean, it, it's different right now. This is what we were doing it before the pandemic, okay? With the internet prices, which we you know we're kind of like set. Right, but why not give that customer that flexibility? Why yeah. not give you, that's why I said like, you need to empower your BDC. And I think this is the way that it's going. More customers wants to do, can I do everything over the phone? Can I just sit, you know, mm -hmm. sign, sure. you know, on the internet? Like we're able to buy everything else, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Over the internet. Now they wanted it to buy that car too. So you need to be able to give them that information. So at least they don't sound uh, ignorant about the subject. Yeah, well, it sounds, it sounds like these departments are getting all kind of bleeding to each other. I mean, at one point, you know, we we had our internet department, we had our BDC, we have our sales department, we have our F&I department, these, these four kind of quadrants, and it seems like they're getting closer and closer and closer. Mm -hmm. Martha, do you see a day that it is all just one? For, or sorry, Wendy, sorry. Uh, I, um, so I don't think it's ever going to all be just one. All right because, and I never believe in a cookie cutter approach to anything BDC. Um, and I always say the only thing for sure about a BDC is nothing's ever for sure. And I believe that you have to have the ability to pivot and change depending upon what you, the demographic is at your store or whatever, and what your availability is, whether you're an independent, whether you're prime or subprime or franchise. 
whether you're building a process that you can scale because you're acquiring a lot more dealerships and you've got a centralized BDC. So for those places and with crypto and everything, I say, I say absolutely positively. It's like 25 years ago when we wouldn't let them write a, a personal check <laughs> and they'd have to get a cashier's check. Mm -hmm. But um, now, but then as we progressed, they were able to get the approval that there were the funds in the account, et cetera, et cetera. And now they're doing all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. The world is changing. Bitcoin is on the scene. We need to have it available for our customers if that's what they are telling us they want. The whole thing but, is about me and the customer where they want, right? And for small dealerships, though, I don't think it depends. If you're a small store that's doing 20 cars and you want to do 100 um, and you're subprime and you're very community-based and everything else, no, you're probably not going to go to that extent. Mm -hmm. But um, what you do there, too, need to have is a good process. And I think before we do anything about bridging any gaps, we need to make sure everybody's got good sustainable processes yeah. from the training to the coaching to the customer experience that the BDC is setting the customer up for the same transparent customer great customer experience at the dealership and then that that experience is delivered when they're at the store and that we're following up to make sure that that's what happened so it starts with the customer and that empathy mm -hmm. that everything all that and then bridge the gaps once once you've got the sustainable process in place awesome Kevin, your thoughts? Do you think we're going to, these departments going to get closer and closer? Do you think one day they'll I'm going to give one? you the example because right. you, <laughs> the salesperson, the BDC is going to be the point of the spear of this. And our first transaction was with a gentleman from Saudi Arabia that wanted a 2021 Mercedes Benz. And so he wanted to hold that vehicle. But an international wire transfer is a week. Mm. And so the salesperson was able to suggest, well, do you have cryptocurrencies? Like, absolutely. Well, if we do cryptocurrency, we can knock this out in 24 to 48 hours because nobody wants to hold a vehicle for a week right now at the uh -huh. inventory situation. Yep. Yes. That conversation was initiated by the point of the spear, whether it's BDC, salesperson, et cetera. So absolutely, it's going to hit them well before it's going to hit us in F&I side. I think so, 100%. Yeah. Well, look, I know we're getting towards the tail end of our discussion today, and this has been a fun discussion. You know, we're, we're here at uh, in sunny Tampa, Florida, at the Digital Dealer Conference, you know, and I, I love coming to these conferences, you know, but there's always something that I hope, you know, dealers take away from them. If there was one thing that you hope people attending the show right now take back to their dealership and put into an action plan, what would that be? Kevin, I'll start with you and then I'll work down the road. Well, if you know me, I'm always going to stir the pot and I guarantee <laughs> that's going to happen tomorrow. For me, it's going to be, uh, for dealers today, you have choices. And if you want to be more efficient and better, you have to constantly question what you're currently doing. And some of the questions I'm going to tackle is, do you, should you still pay for SEO? Is search oh, engine marketing still the best approach or are there better alternatives? Are we being sold a, good, a bill of goods on digital retailing? I'm going to talk a little bit about crypto, the state of the market. It's going to be more of a discussion format. But I think I'm going to put out some really reasonable questions, but best of all, I'm going to put out numbers and factual data of us doing it a different way and seeing tremendous success. Awesome. Awesome. Wendy, for yourself, what do you hope people take away from this event? Um, I think the importance right now, and obviously I'm going to be biased toward BDC, which I think is blowing <laughs> up, like I said, because it's important that customers' experience is important and we're the, we're the heart of the dealership. But I think it's really important that marketing and BDC and sales are all in tune, in sync, um, that we're using the data to, um, to determine what we're gonna advertise, that we're making sure the advertising is all shared with BDC and sales, 
and and basically open communication and bridge the gap between those three areas. Awesome. Martha, for yourself, what do you hope people take away from the event? I think for me it will be love your BDC if you have one, okay? <laughs> you know, treat your BDC the same way that you treat your sales department, train them, okay? The same way that you train your sales person, not just on the scripts, but on everything else. Make them feel part of the family, not like a, you know, Step One big child. family. No, yes. I love it. <laughs> Not the red-headed stepchild. In the corner office, like Sean Armour would say, in the corner in office. In the corner office. office. In between the boxes. So what you're saying is yeah. take them on a yacht, give them champagne. Yes. There <laughs> okay, we go. We got that. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's not a bad strategy. It's working for me so far. Um, <laughs> hey, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This thank has been you. so much fun. You guys have yourself an amazing day. Thanks thank so you much. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to the Matador Yachtcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at metador.ai to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.